0: Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Hi, how you doing out there, folks? Um, This is Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Uh, Hi, I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, children's pastor of uh, Suncoast Cathedral in St. Petersburg, Florida. And uh, welcome to episode eighteen, brought to you the week of December thirty first, two thousand nine. We should change the name to Children's Ministry semi annually, or so. But uh, because the last show I did was back in September or maybe October, I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize. Things have been crazy around here. Uh, Matter of fact, our monthly topic is going to be on that subject about uh, things I've learned being a new guy in a new place. Because if you haven't heard. Uh, I'm no longer in Kansas City, I'm in a little place called St. Petersburg, Florida, at a little church called Suncoast Cathedral, and uh, God's really done some awesome things in our lives, and I just want to talk about that a little bit, and uh, just see if anybody else out there can relate. The average children's pastor stays in a position about three years, from what I hear, so uh, moving to new places and changing everything seems to be a trend. Maybe not so much for ministers, but at least the pastor side of things it is. I think uh, volunteers skip around a little bit too. But anyway, very glad to be doing another show. Had a quiet moment here at home in the old apartment. So I figured I'd do a show. Uh, just uh, first off, let me just go through the stuff here. You can find us online at ciamonthly.com. You can email us CMonthly at gmail.com. You can call in to the show and leave voicemail that will be played on future shows 218monthly. 218 monthly. That's the phone number. Or if you need the numbers, 218-666-8459. So let me tell you a little bit of something. I wanted to actually blog about this on the website and I, I just had a hard time. I've had a hard time for the last few weeks. Uh, just sitting down and and writing this out. So I really wanted to talk it out. And I really want to talk a little bit about how I got my job because I think there's an an interesting uh, uh, of enough story there that i think it could benefit others and help others you know god tells us very clearly in the bible and the word i should have looked up the scripture but i'm just kind of recording off the top of my head here but um to everything that we do we do it as into the lord you know um and that and, and that that it's everything everything we do not just ministry Um, But I think until very, very recently, I thought the only thing that mattered to ministry was ministry. You know, yeah, my family's personal life mattered. They even offer classes in Bible school about that. You know, your home has to be in order. Um, Things like that were obvious, but I guess God has really been showing me the last couple years um, that He wants to be in every part of my life, including my hobbies, which is why I started podcasting. And, and including Him in it. You know, hobbies are the last place, we think, to include God. It's almost a place where we take a break from everything that we do, including Him. But um, I've found with podcasting, it's very possible to involve Him. And and more recently, I've found that God uh, even wants to be involved in home renovation and everything else. I, I don't know, this story, I guess, begins a few years ago when... Jen and I decided, maybe about three years ago, we decided we were wanting to simply move to a slightly bigger house. Um, and so we up and sold ours, put it on the market, started looking around, and found nothing. Well, okay, let me let me rephrase that. We found stuff, um, but nothing we wanted. And so we waited and we kept the house in the market. And then we started looking around again. We started a second round of looking. And we found house after house that we liked. Um, And we were going to build a new home, we decided. And then suddenly God put the, I don't know how to say it. I guess he just, we just really felt that we shouldn't do it. And we didn't, I'm the one that broached the subject. I don't feel like we should do this. It doesn't feel right. Our house was selling already, our old house. And my wife didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was the hardest, one of the hardest decisions we'd ever made. But we walked away from a home that we really, really wanted to buy. And it was right. And we actually ended up moving in. It was camp season. And so I was doing camps. We ended up moving in with some friends upstairs from their house uh, for a while. And my my wife uh, was pregnant with my son. My my daughter was still in a in a in a what does he call <laughs> a baby crib. It was uh, it was a pretty crazy summer, but we decided not to buy. And it was right after that that the housing market fell through, and the place where we were going to build, we'd have never sold that house, never, um, because there are still to this day in that area houses in that subdivision that are not even built yet so and then there are there are empty ones that are brand new so when the housing market does pick back up what are you going to buy you're going to buy a brand new house the one that's sitting there unfinished but they'll finish it up you ain't going to buy a used house in that area oh lord really saved us but at the time we didn't know that um we ended up after a, a period of time, maybe six weeks, in that home with the with our with our friends, uh, we ended up finding a uh, an apartment for six months because some things had happened. A friend, a very close mentor and friend, had had decided to go into full time ministry uh, as a missionary, an urban missionary, home missionary, and we were really asking God, should we go? And we gave we we felt the. I don't know, we felt we should give God six months. And uh, so we moved into an apartment for six months. And it was rough. It was hard. And after that six months, we started looking for a house. Because we've decided, you know, we, we've we prayed through, blah, blah, blah. It was not the move for us. Long story short, we um, we found several houses we liked um stupid things would happen like one of them wasn't even for sale and we we the other one they'd made an offer on the, the night before and, and just weird stuff we ended up going back to a house that we walked into right off the top of our heads it was it was the first home that we'd seen it was a repossessed home or whatever you call it a foreclosure it was nasty it was dirty it was rank it was painted weird I mean, the weirdest colors ever, you could, you could go to my Flickr account. I'll, I may link, matter of fact, I will. And if you go to see a monthly, I'll link the, uh, gallery, which is, uh, really what comes into the story in a minute. I'll link the gallery and you can see how gross this house was. Even in the pictures though, you're not going to get a, an idea of the smell, this horrid animal smell. And just the way this house reeked, uh, and, and stupid things like the floor was sunken in, in the middle of the living room. Um, Nasty, filthy house, but, but, for some stupid reason, two uh, a month before, maybe six weeks, yeah, six weeks before my wife was to have my son, we decided and and really felt like God uh, again wanted us to buy this house, and and the thing was it was exactly like the house we were going to build. Um, the only difference was at the top of the stairs in the, in the new home. There was going to be uh, a pantry at the top of the stairs. Ugly, ugly pantry. It was just weird uh, because it was out of the same wood the cabinets were, but it looked like it was part of the hallway because it was at the top of the stairs. It was a California split, and the only—that's the only thing I hated about the house. This this refurb house, this nasty house that we were going to buy, was the same floor plan with all of the extras, um, even though it was nasty. And it didn't have that stupid pantry stuck at the top of the stairs. Same house, but it was filthy, nasty. Um, we uh, we ended up buying the house, got it insanely cheap from the bank. Uh, put put a lot of put a lot of the money that we'd made off our last house because our last house was a foreclosure too. Uh, it, right into it, got we basically surf, resurfaced everything. When I say "we, I mean me," and um, my brother was able to help me out quite a bit, but we turned that entire house around in four weeks, and I'm talking about sixteen, eighteen hour days uh, every single day for a month, uh, pretty much doing everything ourselves we we started with the ceiling, scraped the ceiling down because it was nasty and, and orange. And I had popcorn, and we, I learned how to retexture and spray, uh, you know, the, the, the drywall mud and the whole thing. Uh, we, we stinking uh, put Kiehl's primer on every surface in every part of the house to get the smell locked out. We had mudjackers come out and, ra- and raise the slab, to, you know, in the main living room so it wouldn't sag anymore. Uh, just tons and tons and tons of work. You can get a real feel for it when you see the gallery. Why am I telling you all this? Well, um, we got the house finished. You have to wait to find out why. I got the house finished two weeks um, to the day. I mean, in in saying two weeks, oh, well, that's plenty of time, James. Not when you've got a wife that has nesting uh, going on. If you don't know what nesting is, where they they get really close to giving birth and they want to make sure everything's ready for the baby. I mean, we, we had to move in. We had to get settled. And though I had gotten the house ready, there was tons of little things. Anybody that's ever done work on a house knows, you know, you get all the big stuff done, but there's still things like uh, switch plate covers and, and all those things that need to be done. So there was still plenty of that stuff to do, including finishing the nursery, which I did. I, my My wife got really flipped out one day and, and I stayed home from work and I finished that nursery Well, she went into labor that night. So she knew what she was talking about after all. <laughs> but uh, I got it all finished just in time. It was just one of those awesome, awesome things and it just felt so good to get done and um, and it was great. Well, the house was a pain in the rear, honestly. Um, I never did get the lawn turned around like I wanted to. Uh, the... We had drainage issues, um, especially it, we had water coming in from almost every window in the house. We ended up having to replace window after window, and uh, it, it was especially up near the bedroom, it just took forever to figure out exactly what we needed to do. Um, why am I telling you all this? Because, you'll see. Um, so... Long story short, at the end of all this, this was a three-year period. At the end of all this, that's when we started really feeling, you know, some things were changing at my old church, Um, you know, some stuff from from a father to a son in in the leadership. And and the church was great. It's doing awesome. It's just going a little different direction. I was feeling like my season there might be over. But I didn't know that at the time. My wife and I start praying, uh, feeling like... That's we were waiting on something. We finally sat down and said, no, you know what? We're going to figure out what we're waiting on. And, uh, and, and you can find out more about that. I think, I think I've done a podcast about this. If I haven't, forgive me. I, I will, if I haven't, but, uh, my wife and I prayed, we, we did a five-year plan. We figured out that really the desire of my wife's heart was to raise our kids closer to family. God was more than happy to comply. And, Everything that we'd been through in the last 3 years though it was chaos and 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 you know being uh without a home for a while and all these different things and then the home we did have was nasty and we had to work hard to turn around and then it then it, it you know it was a beautiful home don't get me wrong it was awesome we 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 loved living there but there were just little issues and stuff um what was all this about you know uh, uh but but at the time we thought that but once once uh, we started realizing that God was moving us somewhere else, it all started making sense. And I can't go into every detail because it's none of your business. But God used every single thing in that three-year period to remove bitterness in me, to to make me realize that I needed to look to God for my source, and, and you know, uh, and things that. But the one thing that didn't make sense, okay, out of everything else. Everything else made sense like like you know us not getting that brand new home made sense because the housing market fell through and da 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 da, da. Um, staying with the uh, with our friends made sense because of the connection we had with them and they were about to go in full-time ministry themselves and my daughter learned to not be scared to death of dogs as a, as a result of staying there with their dog you know just little things like that are important to parents. Every single thing that we'd been through, I'm kidding you not made sense and fell into place except for one. That, that house we'd bought. Because when it came time to sell it, you know, granted, we prayed, I fasted and prayed, God sold that house in three weeks. When it came time to sell, because we put it on the market late, because we didn't want to put it up too soon, because my pastor at the time hadn't announced to the congregation that I was leaving, blah, blah, blah. But God God made up for it. He sold that house in three weeks. But we did lose a tiny bit on it, okay? Not a ton, but a little bit. And and as things kept falling into place and making sense, and re, you know, and realizing that house still stuck out. All right, so we go through the entire move, and we come out here, and we get set up, and we're and uh, you know, we're just so grateful for the last three years. Grateful for the experience. Grateful for all the things that God had done for us. And that house, though. That house. Why did we buy the house? We'd have that conversation. Was that? Did we just miss God? What was the deal? No, no. I remembered. Wait, you know, we prayed and and on and on and God directed us there. But but we lost money on it. And and you know, but you know, God was just gracious to us, selling it in three weeks. And so I, you know. And so we just kind of wrote it off. It's just one of those things you do after you think about it and pray about it and, and whatever, whatever. It's just, you know, not everything has to have a spiritual significance, but maybe it does. Maybe it does. I'm, I'm coming around to that thinking. Because I was sitting at lunch the other week, a couple weeks ago, with, uh, with my new boss, my new pastor, and a couple other folks, and... Somebody had started mentioning renovating a house, and I had mentioned, yeah, I did mine. I did mine uh, in, in, in a month, and I didn't know, you know, anything. All of a sudden, my pastor says, yeah. He says, it was filthy. It was nasty. I can't believe uh, you should see his pictures on the internet of all the things that, that he did. Uh, he did it so fast, and he did it so well. And then I turned to look at him because I, I realized it took me a second. He's talking about a a gallery that, that you'll see if you go to my website. He's talking about a gallery that I'd never even mentioned. I'd never even shown him. Apparently this dude did his homework on me when he hired me. He, he looks right at me and he says, you know, that's why I hired you. I said, what? He says, I figured anybody that could do something... That well, that fast, and that creative. First of all, you had vision, you had hard work, you had creativity, and you had uh, a work ethic. And he says, I figured anybody that could do that could do this job. And guys, I don't need to tell you what happened there. You know, the last piece, the last question mark fell right into place. And I realized something it, it still just blows my mind how good god is that even something so random as that house and just fixing it up for my family would two and a half years later you know come come back not to haunt me <laughs> but to bless me faithfulness to my family and 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 trying to to get things together and just being who I am ended up making a place for me here in the, in the next part of God's plan. And it's really gone a long way to helping me remember one more time how much I can trust God. I don't have to know everything He knows. I have to assume He knows everything I don't. And He has plans to prosper me, not to harm me. That He will work everything out for the good. Even a trashed up nasty house. That's the reason I hired you, you know? No, Pastor, I didn't know. That's awesome. So you could see why it would be a hard thing to blog about. Because you'd have to start somewhere. And and it's a a long journey to explain why all that is so valuable and why that meant so much to me. Not only did this guy do his research on me. What he found was good things. And there were good things there, not because I'm an SEO expert, that's search engine optimization, if you don't know, and not because I went out and, and I make sure that that what Google says about me is proper. It's because what's out there is what it is. And I'm edgy and I'm crazy and I say crap. But it, at the end of the day, I guess um, I've got something of value that God could use. And... Uh, And I I say that with full humility because it it does, it almost humiliates me, but it blesses me so much. Oh, so my challenge to all of us out there, all us children's people is whatever you're doing, doing do it as unto the Lord, if as unto the Lord, because I'm telling you, when I was putting that house together, I thought I was doing it for my family, but I was doing it for God and didn't even know it because God had a plan He had a plan to use that already. He knew that there would be a pastor in a place called St. Petersburg that would be looking at a gallery that I put up online of pictures that I took of my house being refurbed. He knew that my wife uh, had a passion in her heart to raise her kids around family, and he wanted to bless her in that. Years before she maybe even knew that she really wanted it. Because it really started pining. You know, she started pining for it after our son was born. Oh, gosh. God loves us so much, y'all. So, I don't know. I, I just want to inspire you to do your best in every avenue of your life. Every area of your life. Hey, I also want to talk about some things I've learned being new. um, Because... I, I've been here, gosh, I don't know, a month and a half now, and um, it's so weird being the new guy again. Because I was at I was at Sheffield, total of ten years: two years as an intern, one year as a, a middle school guy, uh, or the last eight years full time, basically, um, seven and a half years as a children's pastor, and it, it just almost eight, whatever. I don't remember. Yeah, It was eight years. Anyhow, it was awesome. And uh, I, knew my, I knew the ropes. I knew all the people. I knew everything. And now we've moved, and everything is so different. Uh, and in in many ways, the biggest thing I've learned, it's kind of a blessing. Because how many of you have ever thought back to your childhood and said, Oh, man, I wish I could go back and redo some things, but but know what I know now. Well, in many ways, that's exactly what I'm getting to do. I'm going back, and the situation I'm in is a lot like the one I walked into uh, 10 years, you know, or eight years ago, but I know so much more now. Um, and so it is, you know, like that, but, but the annoying part is it's, um, uh, you know, I'm still going back. Imagine how annoying it'd be to be a child again after being a grown up. So it's kind of like that. I'm having to reestablish relationships. I'm having to earn trust. I'm having to reconnect. I'm, you know, uh, make friend. you know, we still haven't made any friends yet, but we're working on that. I mean, we've only been here five and a half weeks or so. But um, here's some things that I learned, uh, some mistakes, I guess, I've already made. Um, not, and maybe not mistakes, but some things I had to watch for and, and correct. Uh, the first one was, uh, I, I don't want to get friendly too quickly. Um, see, every, I've heard this before, that every church you go to, there are going to be people that are similar there's certain types of people. There's the psycho-spiritual lady. There is the um, mean old lady that's spiritual. There's the, uh, you know, there's just all these different types of people, okay? And uh, and then there are people that will just remind you, like like for instance, early on I met a lady at the church that reminded me a lot of my, um, my uh, uh, secretary, who was like a mom to me in my last church. And, uh, she, so therefore the new lady benefited from the relationship that I had with this other person. And I realized I was getting too comfortable too quick and, and it just, ah, so, um, basically one week away or or, or one week is way too soon to be making your mama jokes. Okay. So (laughs) that was just my finding. I, I like to get friendly, but yeah, anyway. Uh, don't number two, I learned that I don't want to snap judge anybody because of that same concept. If you met somebody at your last church or, or whatever, that, that was a certain way, you may be tempted to apply that negativity to the new person. And that's not necessarily going to be the case. Um, in other words, assuming certain things are true or false from your last job would be true or false in your new job. It's not necessarily the case. Um, And, uh, third thing is I don't want, I made a decision. I'm not going to talk nonstop about my old church. Hey, at Sheffield, we did it this way. Hey, at Sheffield, we did it this way. And I did, I I swore I wasn't going to do it, but I did. I found myself saying it and and it wasn't necessarily comparing anything. It was just what I've been used to, you know, it's what I've done. And if I was going to reference anything with ministry, but I've learned just to leave that handle off. And, and act like, not pretend like it was my own idea, but just say it. So instead of, hey, at my old church we used to do such and such, I just say, hey, you know what I've done in the past? I've done da 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 And see, the difference becomes, I don't know, if you've ever heard anybody talk about that, like up north, you know, southerners hate it when northerners come down. Up north we say da-da-da-da-da. Or, um, you know, out east we do such and such and such and such. And you're just like, well, we'll just go back east. Just go back north. That's fine. And uh, so so leave the old church thing out of it that's what i've done so that being said my old church we did do a lot of cool stuff but uh, anyway uh number four thing i've learned is i've got to watch those first impressions first impressions. I'm still making first impressions every single day and it's so annoying. Like for instance, I haven't even gotten my um nickname yet. And so I'm so paranoid about every step I take. Am I going to trip and fall? Am I going to break something? You know, I've already made some kid cry. That wasn't fun. But uh <clears throat> but watch your first impressions and make sure that you present your true self even if you're not at all impressed with it. Because you can't maintain an image for any long period of time anyway. For instance, I was very tempted when I got down here to start talking in my southern accent again. I found myself doing it, you know, hanging around these people, and I'm just like, hey, what's up? Because I do have one, but I learned not to speak in it years and years ago, enough to where I feel like this is my real voice now. It was back in high school when I when I quit talking like a redneck, but... Um, so, you know, it's not a good idea for me to run back into that just to impress people or feel like I'm buddying up to them. I need to be myself, and this is me, and that's okay. And, uh, you know, anyway, uh, another thing that I would suggest is that uh, you don't make a whole bunch of changes initially because—and and, and, and this, is, this is very tempting for new pastors to want to do is get in there and change everything, and some things you've got to change. Some things you're going to be mandated to change but you want to get in an impress anybody. I, I literally asked my pastor, for the first year, all I want to do, other than the few things you want me to change, is I want to make relationships and connections. Can I do that? Because I've got to connect with you. I've got to connect with my peers. I've got to connect with my volunteers, my top-level leadership. I've got to connect with the parents and the kids and my workers. That's a lot of groups for me to connect with. Can I just do that? And he said Yes. And so, though I'm doing weekly services, I'm making small tweaks here and there. Uh, I am, you know, updating policy and procedures. I'm going to be putting parent pager systems in and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. The reason why it's so important not to go through and just wildly change a lot of things, first of all, change, even good change, is hard for people to handle. Secondly, um, people are going to have. A hard time. They're going to have enough of a hard time just adjusting to you. You don't realize the amount of change just you being there makes. Much less you going and trying to change things on top of that. You have a different style of ministry. You have a different personality. You're talking to a different group of people. Uh, the pecking order has been updated, and and you know people that had alliances with the last guy don't now, and on and on and on just you walking in the door has changed so much and you may not you're not going to realize that because duh you weren't there before you were there but uh, I have learned to just slow down again because I got in there I wanted to wanted to start changing everything and some stuff I've had to but the rest of it even people are eager in this church for me to change some things and I'm still going to take it step by step and really get to know people um <clears throat> so you know that's about it I, that's all I've learned actually I've learned a 100 things but I've been talking quite a bit, so I'm going to wrap this episode up. And uh, please feel free to uh, email us and, and call us and all that kind of stuff. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, I know I haven't done regular shows lately, and dah, 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 but I'd love to um, to talk to a few of you and have you on. matter of fact, recently I got to meet up with um, Sam Lucere. He is a traveling evangelist and a great guy and great fan, uh, friend of the show. And uh, all my other podcasts, it was great meeting with him and his family in Tampa. If you're ever through the Florida area and want to hook up, man, let me know. There's my Southern accent kicking out again. But um, I don't know. I I probably need to do a show on the journey again, uh, the journey of my life for the last three years, because I'm looking right now. At a at a post I did a while back called "Outlive This," and that's what God told me at the very very beginning of that three year period, right before it started, is outlive this. And uh, and now, you know, we're we're at the other end of that whole period. And I just tell you, just hang in there, people. Hang in there. If you're having a hard time, a hard day, a hard life, a hard a dark time of the soul where you're questioning everything, just hang in there. Oh Lord, hang in there. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. I'll just remind you what God told me Uh, one time. He was uh, wanting me to do something, tell me how great it was. And I was like, no, no, I stink. I'm terrible. You know, we're not, we're not, I've messed up so many times. And God basically told me in my brain, he says, James, all I know, and he was talking about my family. He says, all I know is every time I've asked you guys to do something, you've done it. And uh, it's awesome. You know, that's the way a forgiving God would look at somebody. Is uh, He wouldn't remember all the stupid little diddly mistakes. He would remember those major things that he's asked us to do, not buying a house, uh, moving in with with, uh, friends and waiting and waiting and buying a piece of crap house and fixing it up and then, you know... Hanging in at a church, you know, much longer than I felt like I should have had to, and learning long-suffering, and learning to uh, focus on God as my leader, and, and, you know, all the different things that that we went through and had to do. And then at the end of it all, the one piece that didn't fit, fit better than any other that I could think of. Um, That's why I hired you, you know. No, I didn't know. (laughs) So I hope you were blessed by this as you were me. The resource for today is this, and, and it's a little late for Christmas, but I wrote a story um, that I'd love to share with you guys, and maybe you could use it next year, but it's called The Very Last Room, and, and, and the reason I wrote this story is because my pastor wanted me to tell the Christmas story, or at least a version of it for the kids, and... Uh, so what I decided to do was write and illustrate one. And, and, and my passion for kids is to, uh, especially things that they've heard a million times and can kind of get jaded about, the crucifixion, the birth of Christ, blah, 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 is to to tell it in a way that would make it brand new and, and, and help them to see it from a different perspective. So what I did, it, the story is basically written from the perspective of a boy that is part of the family that took the very last room in Bethlehem right before Mary and Joseph got there. And um, so if you can imagine that as the, as the setting, um, how you would feel, and I really go into a lot of detail about the stable and how nasty it was, and it just kind of deglorifies the entire concept. You know, it's not a, not a pretty place. It's a stable. It's a, it's a place for animals, and it was probably more crowded than the inn was. So, uh, I don't know. Check it out. I'll have a link to it right there. Um, It's on YouTube. You can see a video preview of it. It's got my vocals, some music in the background, and I've illustrated it as well. Uh, Some of the people at church are talking about having me publish it. I don't know. I don't even know how to do such a thing. I don't even know if it's worth it. But I'd love to hear your feedback. And if you're looking at it it and you say, hey, I'd love to use this for next year, uh, let me know. And I'll put you on a list and I'll let you know. When it becomes available. Um, So, anywho. God bless you guys. Hang in there. Remember, everything you do. Do it as unto... I can't even say that scripture. Do it as unto the Lord. Remember, check us out. Seeamonthly.com Email us. Seeamonthly at gmail.com female, voicemail, 218 monthly. You can follow me on Twitter. Twitter.com slash NLCast. Facebook us. Facebook.com slash NLCast. Join us at cmconnect.org. It's a great resource. Tell somebody about the show and if you can, get on iTunes and leave us a review. Till next time guys, God bless. Hang in there and uh, we'll see you next time here on CM Monthly.